got your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, we're going to look at one verse today, Romans chapter 15, and it's going to be verse number 6. Around a month ago, Pastor Bill, when we met for lunch one day, he brought me a piece of paper and had seven different topics on the piece of paper, and it come, and each one of those topics comes from this book, Seven Wonders. Now, how many of you have seen this book, Seven Wonders, before? It is a phenomenal read. It is an excellent evangelistic tool, and he mentioned to me about a month ago that he wanted me to preach one sermon off of each one of these topics. Now, these are big picture things, the most basic questions in life that every human needs to have answered. But as I go around in our community and I go around in my neighborhood and even folks who live close to me, they don't know the answers to these seven questions, that line here. The first one, the one that we're going to look at tonight is, why do I exist? Does my life really have any significance? Second question, is there a God? And if so, where is he and what is he up to? Am I unique? Do I have any real value? Why is life so unfair? And why do bad experiences happen to me? Why do I feel so alone? I can't tell you how many times people have told me that. Why do I feel so alone and why don't I have any real friends? Why don't I do what I know I should do? My actions tend to betray my intentions. And lastly, is there life after death? What about my future? Where will I go when I die? And those are seven questions that everybody needs to have answered. I'm pretty confident that the majority of our folks in here probably know the answers to each and every one of those questions because the Word of God has changed your life dramatically. But these are wonderful things to constantly be reminded about, and from time to time, those of us who come to a church, we can sometimes forget maybe where other people are at. We're used to rubbing shoulders with folks who kind of have it all together, and it's important that we think about some of these topics. And so I hope that you will pick up a copy of of this. There's probably a a handful of them back there right now on a few different tables back there. I encourage you to grab one if you don't have one. And these are wonderful, wonderful tools that you can go and you can give to folks who you know don't know the Lord. And they will read it because each one of them is only one page long. They're very short, and I think they'll be a blessing to you. And give it to them and then follow up with them a little while later and see if Um, God has used it to touch their heart. So Romans chapter 15, verse number six, why do I exist? This verse comes from the booklet and they chose this one, which is wonderful. Why do I exist? Well, let's read it. That ye may be with one mind and one mouth, glorify God, even the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a few moments to look into your word. We thank you for Gospel Baptist Church. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm thankful tonight just for friends and, and fellow believers that, uh, that as we meet together and assemble, there's a unity that is here, and uh, we can feel the love of Christ and his presence uh, with us at this moment. 
And we ask that you'd speak to us through your word. And uh, if anyone is struggling with these questions that we're going to go over, uh, I pray that you'd speak to their heart. And tonight they may know why do they exist and what purpose do you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Why do I exist? Every human, I believe at one time or another, has thought of that question. Why do I exist? Maybe it's not a question that we often verbalize, but it is a question that every single person I believe has thought about at one time or another. Just for kicks after this service, you could go and take out your smartphone and you could type that into the Google into Google search and you are going to come up with many, many different reasons that people say are the reasons why we exist. And it's amazing to me how they are totally in different, different sides of the spectrum. Often, when I get home, usually on Sunday nights, at this time of year with time change, especially on Wednesday nights, I'll make my way to my, uh, I'll park my car and make my way inside the house. And in the parking lot there, there's kind of a little bit of a wide open space. Some of you folks live in the same neighborhood as me. You know what I'm talking about. And on certain nights, I can look up into the sky and it is clear. It is very clear. And there's sometimes as I gaze up into the, into the sky, there are an immense amount of stars that I can't even number, can't even begin to number, and I try to pick out different constellations, the, the few that I know, and I'm just amazed. And yes, I am amazed at God, but I'm also amazed about how small I am compared to everything else that is around me. And I try to look up into the stars and think, wow, okay, we are on this, you know, this globe here, and we're out in outer space, and in my mind, I try to take it further and further back, and really how minute and small we are. And for me, as a child of God, I know the Lord is my Savior, and I know the purpose I have, but I couldn't imagine, and I have family members, I have friends who do not know the Lord, do not think that there is a God, and I couldn't imagine how hopeless and helpless that would be. When I look up into the stars, I gaze and I think, wow, God is good and God loves me even though I'm a nobody. But those folks who have no hope and they don't even know really why they exist, they look up and it's bleak and it's dark and it's not filled with wonder like it is for you and me. There's emptiness in their hearts and in their minds. How small are we? Well, I was thinking about Bonita Springs. Now, Bonita Springs has a population of around 55,000, maybe, maybe a little bit more. I know it doesn't feel like that. It feels like there's about 2 million people who live in five square miles of here, and it's getting worse. But one person out of 55,000, I mean, that to me makes me feel a little bit small. Then I go and I think, wow, how many people are in Florida? Well, somewhere around 22 million people live in Florida. That's a lot of people. 22 million people. Who am I among 22 million people? Who are you among 22 million people? Then you take a step back, and I think there's, you know, well over 300 million, 330 million, or something like that, Seven, 370 million or something in the United States. Wow. 
when we go cast our vote at the ballot box, it seems, wow, is this really making a difference? One person? It does. I think it does. But wow, small. Then I go back and I look at the world, and as of a couple years ago, I think it was 7.7 billion. And so now, I mean, I'm sure it's well over 8 billion people on this planet. I had the privilege a couple weeks ago to talk to our high school students, and I posed them with this question, have you ever thought about all the history that has come before us? And I'm a pretty simple person, really, but I do like to philosophize a little bit and think about the big picture of things, and it helps me with perspective on life. And I asked them to think about all the generations who have come before us. And then, of course, we start back with our, you know, our parents and then our grandparents and then great-grandparents. And, of course, we lose sight after that. But you think about uh, the different historical figures and you go on. You can go for thousands and thousands and thousands of years back. And here we are right here in this moment. Just another dot on the speck of history. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty big. And so looking at it through a biblical worldview, I can see, wow, God's got a purpose and you know he's gonna make all wrongs right in the end. And, but for the person who does not even know why they exist, they feel like they're just along for the ride. How empty and how hopeless can that feel? Why in the world are we here? I think the majority of the world believes in evolution, natural selection, that we are just here by random chance. That's sad. By random chance, the survival of the fittest. That's being propagated everywhere that it can be. And we sit here and wonder why people have no hope. We sit here and wonder why they feel so meaningless. That's why. Because they really have no hope outside of Jesus Christ. We get surprised when we look on the news and see, you know, acts of violence that are that is happening at our public schools. How in the world could it possibly happen? That's what's being propagated. The world is saying, why do we exist? It's by random chance. Ultimate life is not important. They don't come right out and say that, but that is the end result of what they are teaching and what they are propagating. Life is not important. It's, it's meaningless. We're just nobody. There's, no, there's, there's nothing after this life is over. There is no great plan. And so we see injustices on every side. We see folks hating each other, living selfishly for themselves. And we're wondering, and we're surprised. I mean, it's getting so bad that when we turn on the news now, I'm not even surprised anymore about what I see. How many of you are with me on that? Not even surprised about what I see. Now, I know the world is going to act like the world. I'm not expecting the world to act like a bunch of saved Christians like, like you folks do. We're expecting the world to act wrong, to act wicked, but it is to another level, the things that we're seeing. And I'm not even surprised. 
Because people can't even grasp the most simple question and understand and come to a conclusion of why they exist. And so we struggle with all these things. Shootings, you try to take away the the guns, what are they doing over in Europe? They're stabbing each other. There's no hope for those folks. The world is totally upside down because mankind has gotten away from God's original plan. Did God know all this was going to happen? He 100% did. But not for a moment do I believe that God wanted sin to come into this world and destroy every good thing that it's ever touched. Man has gotten away from God's original plan, and that's why we see every, every kind of perversion that is out there. God revealed himself to mankind in two different ways. Through what we call general revelation, or we may refer to it as natural revelation, uh, that natural revelation through nature, through the things that we see. It's a testimony to the entire world, to every person that lives, that there is a God. Again, I don't think you can look up in the stars like I do every week. I don't see how you can deny it. But it's a testimony that there is a God. The human body, uh, we go over in Sunday school, and on Wednesday night, Mr. Nick, he reads uh, one of those lessons from Have You Considered a Christian Perspective, and it's really a, a battle against evolution, testifying that, yes, God did create the universe, and he created you and me for a special purpose. And nature, yes, has gotten away even from God's original plan. Even the heathen people can know that. They can understand that. They can see that. Every man, woman, boy, or girl, I think, can look out and see that this world is not a very great place to live and to be. We often sing a song called, well, we don't maybe necessarily sing it, but you guys know the song, What a Wonderful World. There was a little booklet, a book that, I don't know, maybe somebody gave one of my, my kids, and so at night they, they liked kind of reading that book and looking through it, and it was like the song with some paintings on it, and it had beautiful things in nature. And, you know, we would flip through it and you know, begin to think, oh, wow, look at the beauty and look at the wonder and look at how, how great this world is. But then you got to take a step back and you look and you see the world really is not a wonderful place. And this is not a wonderful world. I'm not trying to be morbid tonight or bleak or discourage you because those of us that are in Christ, we have everything that we need and God's satisfying every one of our needs. So this is not really morbid to us. But to a world without Christ, yes, it is morbid. But there is so much pain and so much heartache that is encapsulating our world. It's not a wonderful place. Sure, are there things that we enjoy for moments? Yes, oh man, uh, having your bride walk down the aisle. Wow, that's a wonderful moment. And I would say, wow, in that moment, yes, that is a glimpse of joy and a glimpse of happiness having your children born and getting to hold them in your arms for the first time and, you know, watching them cry and, you know, thinking you're the only one thinking that they're even cute. You know, we know those are, those are wonderful 
moments. And there are some wonderful times in life, and God's blessed us with those. But there also are some terrible, horrible times in life. Hmm. We've got death. It's beating down our door, taking our loved ones away. Brother Thomas and I just got to go see one of our high school students, 14 years old, just about to turn 15 next week. We got to go see uh, him and his mom down at Joanne's Hope Hospice because uh, his dad was passing away. And about two minutes before I got up to preach, she texted me and said, that he went to be with the Lord. Why? Does a 14-year-old boy Why? Brother Whiff got a friend who has a friend who got a phone call a couple months ago that their son was killed by a drunk driver. Mr. Nick and I were talking after he just got up there to go see his dad before he passed away, and we were talking out there before we had our little young adult cookout, just reflecting on that nobody's getting out of this thing alive. Everybody's got something going on. There's always some sickness. There's always some disease. There's always something that sneaks up behind us. What am I telling you today? Is it really a wonderful world? No. This world is riddled with sin and with heartache. I mean, tell that to a wife who's sitting at home because her husband ran off with somebody else. How about the countless kids that I know that have to go back and forth between mom's house and dad's house and mom's house and dad's house and have mom and dad constantly fighting over and over again? I'm sick and tired of all this wickedness and all this evil. And the more that we experience this stuff, the more it pushes us to look forward to heaven and all the good things that God has in store for us. And us as believers, we get to focus on a lot of positives. I get to tell that young man that I saw, because your father knew the Lord Jesus as his savior, you're gonna see him again. But for a world out there who, doesn't, who don't even know why they exist, No wonder we were in the state that we're in today. Is this how life's supposed to be? It's not the way God intended it. I can tell you that. If we go back all the way to the beginning of the Bible, we find that God made man perfect without sin. He made this world and this universe perfect 
without sin and in our minds, and maybe we think back to our Sunday school teachers teaching us with pictures and flannel graphs and different things, and they picture a beautiful garden and a beautiful place, and in the best way we can in our mind, we try to think about, we try to think about how perfect it was. But honestly, in my mind, I can't even grasp a life that has no sin and no heartache in it. But it's fun to try to think about. No pain, no fear, all peace. But that's how God created everything at the beginning. But it wasn't long before man made a mess of it. And it seems like everything that man touches seems to get messed up. Definitely doesn't get better. And man was in perfect fellowship with God. And they, and mankind, Adam and Eve, they were living perfectly dependent upon God. But when they got messed up was when they tried to live independently of him. And that's exactly the place where our world is today, trying to live their lives independently of God. Man was tempted and fell into sin. Whose fault was it? Was it God's fault? Absolutely not. James 1, 13 through 15, we looked at this in our Sunday school class this morning. It says, let no man say when he is tempted Tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And my, oh my, has death taken over this world. In that hospice room, I got to sit there with the mom and dad and we got to thank the Lord for his sacrifice for us and that we're going to be reunited someday and all those wonderful things. And, but we also got to reflect on how bad sin truly is. Everything that sin has touched, it has destroyed and corrupted. And we wonder and we sit back sometimes and, you know, I can, in, even in my mind, sometimes be critical of God and think, well, man, well, that seems pretty harsh for God to, you know, going to judge people the way he's going to judge people. But he knows how bad sin really is. So bad that folks are going to spend a lot of time in hell and spend eternity in the lake of fire because sin is so bad. Think about we were talking to uh, I was talking to a few different people who were losing loved ones recently, and I mentioned about you know it seems to be that whenever somebody loses a loved one, they always are afraid to express emotion. They're afraid they they don't they don't like to cry. They don't like to have a time of mourning. Mourning is natural, and I reminded them of Jesus when Jesus made his way back to Lazarus, and as Lazarus was laying there in the tomb, Jesus wept over his friend. Now, Jesus, God in the flesh, he knew how everything was going to work out. He knew that in just a a few short moments, he was going to say, Lazarus, arise. And that tomb was going to open up and Lazarus was going to come forth out of it and be alive. He knew. But the only thing that I can possibly think is that Jesus saw how bad sin actually was in the torment that it causes people on a, on a daily basis.
I'm thankful that Jesus finished the mission that God gave him. That he died for you, he died for me. That we can have eternal life and overcome sin that has cursed this world. Man has gotten away from God's original plan. Trying to live independently of God. The world is tied up in vain pursuits. Instead of humanity seeking for God, we're seeking joy and meaning and a lot of other things that can never provide those things. The greatest example I think of that would have been Solomon. Solomon tried everything that he possibly could and still came up empty at the end of it. And there's about seven areas, seven areas in which Solomon tried to find satisfaction. I'm even going to say this, tried to find the meaning and the purpose of life. They are this. He looked in education, philosophy, higher knowledge. We'll put that in one category. And we look at our society today and see where they put an emphasis on. How are we going to solve the problems of humanity? We just need to be more educated. I think people were a lot better off 200 years ago when people weren't as educated. It hasn't, it hasn't filled that void. It hasn't solved the meaning of life. you got these big tech companies. you got people like Elon Musk trying to fly to Mars. Hey, that's neat and all, but it, it's going to come up empty. Solomon, he tried every pleasure imaginable. You just about think it, I guarantee you he tried it. Everything. And there's folks who look for education and higher knowledge. There's people that are out there trying to find satisfaction and every pleasure imaginable. Solomon, he even tried working. I like to work. I like to do things. I like to build things. Pastor Bill and I and Mr. Thomas, we get to do a lot of work out here. And I love the... I love the uh, jobs where you can fix things and step away from it, and wow. Uh, I like fixing plumbing. Please don't call me to ask to fix your plumbing. <laughs> don't, no. I do, I, I do like fixing plumbing and, 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 you know, building things. And Solomon, Solomon, I mean, you can read in Ecclesiastes about how he went and build, you know, great buildings and he went and planted gardens and watched the fruit grow, and ooh, wow, that has some satisfaction in it. He even went and built a big pools, pools of water. Now, that was before that was kind of a common thing, and really amazing things. Massive homes, I'm sure. And yeah, that probably gave him a thrill for a little while. Those of you that have owned about 10, 15 houses, you know what I'm talking about. It gives you a thrill for a little while, but soon it just becomes like yesterday's news. And he came up empty on that. He tried material possessions. Some people, some commentators believe that Solomon was the richest person to ever live. They, some people believe that Solomon would make Bill Gates look like he was poor. I don't know. I mean, uh, I haven't sat there and done the math. Or I do I think you can know that for sure? Not necessarily, but it, it's interesting. He definitely was one of the richest people to ever live. He tried material possessions. It's Christmas time. People are looking for that kind of thing. Most of my Christmas gifts are sitting away somewhere, not using them. 
We know about that. He tried power and he tried fame. He even tried helping others and helping people less fortunate. And I would say out of anything else, that's the most noble thing that people can try to do. Even the folks that maybe don't know the Lord is is trying to help other people. For what are they doing that? Who knows? But helping others that are less fortunate than yourself. And he also, he tried relationships. He tried quite a few of them. 700 wives, 300 concubines. I mean, he, he, he tried a lot of relationships and it didn't work out for him at all. And these seven categories, they really sum up every venture and every trivial pursuit that mankind is trying to run after to find their existence in this earth. But they come up empty. Often I hear about, I guess occasionally I hear about some rich person who gave up on life And now they live kind of like a nomad where they travel around, they travel around to different parts of the world and they go in these remote places and go to these random tribes over in, uh, you know, different continents of the world. And they tell people, "I'm, I'm going out to find the meaning of life. And, you know, they come back with this big beard and they never have, hey, they never have the answer. They're kind of like Solomon. They get to the end of it and say, There's not much here. There must be something else. So they get even as foolish to go off into some distant place thinking that they're going to get some sort of enlightenment about it when the truth is right in front of them. Jesus said, What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his own soul? Majority of people out there today are just trading dollars back and forth, not knowing that They're going to leave it all in the end. Solomon says, he sums it up in the 12th chapter, the last chapter of Ecclesiastes. He is now old, gray-headed, has experienced all these things. And here's what he says. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. I'm sure he looked back on his life and had a lot of regret. But I'm sure glad, and I'm I'm sure he was glad that he finished his life the right way, giving God the priority and acknowledging him who he is. So what is our high purpose? What is our existence really about? Well, we can find our existence first by acknowledging our creator. And I don't think anybody can ever experience or understand the perfect, the, understand the purpose of life without God. And when I mean God, I mean the God of the Bible. Not religion, God. Once we acknowledge our creator, it's so amazing to me how everything seems to just fit into place. When God gets put in his rightful place and we see him the best that we can, I mean, we can't necessarily see him for who he really is because we are so imperfect and can't grasp grasp every detail of him, but in our mind, we can see him the best that we can. And when we do that, it seems like every piece to life falls right into place. Not that everything's going to be perfect, but I'm saying in the worldview, every piece comes together and things begin to make sense. Do you remember before you were saved and it seemed like life was just a whirlwind? 
I'm just talking to people recently this week about their soul, where they're going to spend eternity, and their mind, their minds are all over the place. It's because they haven't acknowledged God as their creator, and the pieces to the puzzle don't all fit in. We're not in this moment by random chance, but I truly believe by masterful design. God cares about you. He cares about me. In your leisure, read through Psalm 139, 1 through 18. Wow. Good stuff. Why are you here? Psalm 139, 1 through 18. I won't do it for time's sake, but wonderful, wonderful. God expects us to live our life for a higher purpose. We find our purpose not only in knowledge and our creator, but in a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and shall find pasture. The thief cometh not, but forth to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might, they might have life, and I like this part, and that they might have it more abundantly, more abundantly. I can move around in this sin-cursed world, and, and I know that we're going to experience a lot of sorrows, but when I have acknowledged my Creator and I have a relationship with Jesus, He has made this life something special for me, and He's made it special for you. The day that I met Christ was the day really my life truly began. Talking a little to my friends recently, and they said, wow, it wasn't until I got saved. It feels like I just started living. It's so true. It's amazing what Christ can do when he changes a life. And the best thing that we can do is share how Christ can give others satisfaction and We've seen souls torn apart and heartache and trouble. And we're thankful that Jesus Christ restored that, the relationship between God and man. It was severed back in the garden. And for thousands of years, we were waiting for that relationship to be restored. And to some degree, it's only partially restored at this moment. But there is coming a day when it is going to be restored to the place that God originally intended it to be. And it's going to be unfathomable, for sure. Philippians 3.13 says, Brethren, I count on myself to have apprehended. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And we find our purpose, not only acknowledging Creator and, and uh, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but also when we pursue Christ and try to glorify God, with every action. What is glorifying God? Glorifying God uh, is like this. Many of you have had folks who have served in the military, some of you wives, you have in your house, you have a triangle flag, a flag that is folded into a triangle. I mean, that is something special, very special. And when that soldier came and he presented it to you ladies, and you grabbed it in your arms, you didn't just take it and go throw it in the closet, let it fall on the floor. Is that glorifying, that sentimental piece of fabric there? Is that glorifying it? No. Many times I go into widows' homes, and I look up, 
and on a top shelf somewhere, I see a nice glass case with the triangle, the flag folded in a triangle, just perfectly presented there as the centerpiece of the entire room. What is that doing? That is glorifying that object, putting it in its rightful place. And us as believers, when we glorify God, that's all it really is. It's putting God in his rightful place where he is supposed to be at and putting him, giving him preeminence in our lives. And when we do that, we are overwhelmed with satisfaction. There's, there is going to be trouble. Jesus said it in this life. But we can face it with the grace of God, knowing that he has our best intentions in mind. And we are now living above ourselves and living for a higher purpose. And the most miserable people in this life are the folks that are living for themselves. Seek to glorify God. Why do we exist? Why do we exist? To bring honor and glory to God, have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to tell others, to change the world. And I'm looking forward to the day when God is going to make all wrongs right. I'm looking forward to the day when he creates a new heaven, a new earth. The old things are going to pass away. Behold, all things are going to become new. He's going to wipe every tear and every sadness away from our eyes. And we're going to be in perfect unity in fellowship with God. That's why we exist. I encourage you to get this booklet. Pass it around. It's an easy read. And the truths that are in this will change people's lives. May God help us to take this message and share it with others. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the few moments that we had to look into your word here. Uh, And we thank you for this moment in time that we're living in. It's not just by happenstance. It's not by random chance. It's, but it's by purpose from you. It's hard for us to imagine as Christians, uh, knowing how wicked and how evil we are to, to, to kind of even wonder why God would want anything to even do with us. And it's surprising, but yet we're just so thankful that you didn't give up on us. That even while we were sinners, that you loved us. You gave us purpose. You gave us meaning. And with our small, seemingly insignificant lives, may we use our existence to honor and to glorify you in all of our actions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.